So this evening we'll begin uh, a series of practices that we will revisit over the week, which are another set of four. The Buddha seems to be very keen on fours. Uh, classically known as the Brahma Viharas, uh, the four immeasurables, the divine abodes. They're essentially mindfulness practices, but they have a different kind of tonality, a different kind of quality, and they're, they're much more active. They're much more generative. So again, they're, as we talked about this chitta, they're generative. They're really literally things that need to be cultivated. And they're, they're usually called metta practices. They are metta karuna, mudita, and upeka. Metta kindness or friendliness, compassion, uh, gratitude or appreciation, uh, and equanimity. And we, we will definitely practice all four whilst we're here, but tonight will be a preliminary introduction, a little bit of a setup, uh, and kind of some background on the practice of metta. Some, some of you probably have done this before and are familiar with this, this practice. There's a way we can kind of just begin to explore in our own experience, in our mind, what, what, where does this disturbing or the inclination of this begin? And I think it's quite simple. And that is just a recognition of our basic desire to be free. And I think we all have. We don't have to look too far in the mind usually to see that, that, that that's there. Of course, that's a confusing endeavor. But we do have this desire to, to be free. And so desire, a very tricky word in Pali, chanda. There's actually an academic book that I've gotten recently. There's 19 different ways the word desire is used. Which is a confusing and b important to recognize that it's a big idea, it's a big concept, and I think desire generally can kind of get a bad rap in the Buddhist world, because a lot of times we can we can get easily if we if we read older books on the Dharma, sometimes we can get this idea that that desire is what causes our suffering, and that's certainly not true. It can, but this basic desire that we have to be free. And also this word freedom, I think, is another word in our society, in our culture, that we don't really see that there's two sides of freedom. In our American freedom, we're very preoccupied and we associate that with a freedom to do something. You know, I'm free to do what I want. I'm free to live in a free culture, free society. And we have all kinds of controversies around what we're free to do and not free to do. A Buddhist freedom is not that kind of a free to. It's actually a free from. So we don't want to be free to do something. We want to be free from something. And that's the, the two sides of the coin of freedom. And so Dharma practice is much more interested and uh, kind of focused on the freedom from, you know, a whole range of things, right? But really a freedom from this greed, hatred, this confusion, this fear, free from our internal craving and clinging and wanting and needing things so badly to be different, wanting and needing so many things so badly to be other than the way they are. In many ways, I think the freedom that we're looking for is, is freedom from our inner tyrant or inner judgment or criticism, the ways in which we're just hard on ourselves for reasons that are probably unnecessary and it certainly doesn't help. Being hard on ourselves might work sometimes, but it never helps. Mm 
And so I have a long, very interesting history with this practice. I used to avoid it like the plague. Uh, I don't really know why, actually. I've been thinking about this a lot today. I don't understand and really, when I was first sitting at IMS and Newark introduced to these practices, I think part of it was the translation, I think that's actually not a good translation, is metta can often be translated as loving kindness. And I think that makes, I think that muddies the waters because I think we can all assess that the word love is a very complicated word and that um, it can actually give rise to lots of things that are complicated. All of the love that we didn't get, the love that we wanted, the love that went away. The, it's, a, it's a, not a, metta is a very much more basic friendliness, kindness. It's not as complicated as the English word love. And to some degree in English, we sort of rendered the term useless. And I think that might have been part of it. And so what really gets in the way of this kindness, of this friendliness, and I think really probably what spooked me, left me running for the door early on, was that it it, it kind of introduces us to the reality of a fear of pain. And that we really, um, for good reason, an important reason, and it's not bad or wrong, but we we do fear pain. Buddhist teachers a lot of times are famous for saying that we hate pain. But I don't think that that's quite right. I don't really think I hate it. I think I'm scared of it. Uh, and, I th- and I look at my, my career of pain. It's a very long career. Uh, and, and, I'm, I, and I look at a lot of it that's happened. I'm afraid much of it might happen again. And so that will dictate future behavior. One of the things that really dictates future behavior is a fear of pain. We assess our our you know, our pain experiences, and there's probably many of them that were like, I really want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. There might be a, quite a range of those things. So then we move through the world with this in the background. Then actually can kind of create lots of other problems. I and mean, there's a lot of unintended consequence of living in a fear of pain. So metta is the great solve, the great bomb, the great... Uh, I think it's sort of the special secret special sauce of Dharma practice. It seems to always work and help. It helps and it works. It's pretty much all the time. And so there's there's also, with the chitta and the kind of heart-mind, there's a relational, a very large relational aspect to metta. And so it's, it's rooted in ease. It's a sense of ease with not, not, not may things be easy, but being at ease with the pain, being at ease with the fear. It's also really helpful in our relationships with others because it allows us to arrive into a, a sense of a shared humanity. Right? That we all fear pain. And we all very much fear much of the similar pain. Right? And that we're all in this together. And so friendliness and kindness it allows us to be in that space with, with really with I think with courage which I think is a word that has kind of go, gone I don't know whatever happened to courage but I think, I think when we think of courage we think of Greek mythology uh, but courage is still a, a thing that you could have it seems to be something that people aren't interested in talk about so much anymore but there's a courage, courageousness to the metta practices there's a, actually a very specific emotion, a dharma emotion, I would call it, because it's not 
used anywhere else called Samvega, which is sort of a, a spiritual courage or a spiritual urgency, which can be really good because it can give us a lot of energy. But like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this life work for me. I'm not going to let the fear of pain dictate how I live. It's very uplifting, very energetic, very courageous. So when we think of kindness and friendliness, we maybe don't think that, but that's also in there. A sense of ease. And so the mechanics of it are actually quite simple. So what, kindness also, we have to realize, metta, these are all verbs. Most of the words that we use in the Dharma, in the Pali language, the, the, and, and the big interesting thing, the big difference between Pali and English besides many differences, is that Pali really seems to be a verb-centric language. Most of the big-ticket items, the Buddha seems very interested in how things happen, how things come to be, behavior, movement, action, where in our culture, English is a very noun-centric language. We really want to have things and stuff, people, places, things. Right? And so we, we, we maybe have to kind of just think about that for a minute, that a lot of our life we think we're going to be happy through acquiring things right the buddha doesn't do things there's no things there's the coming and going of experiences happiness isn't a thing mindfulness isn't really a thing kindness isn't really a thing that you can have and take with you and put in your pocket and bring it with you when you go back to the world as you drive down the dirt road next week a little bit, but not so much, which makes it something that we have to be mindful of. We have to bear in mind. We have to, we have to bring it with us in every moment, really. And so the, 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 there's two real mechanics of it, and, and they're very basic, and that is attention and interest. And so that really cools down the fear of pain, which are, attention and interest aren't complicated things, right? So just to give you an example, uh, when we think of friendliness, oftentimes we immediately think of a friend. So if I think of a friend, of somebody I haven't seen in a long time, somebody that I enjoy spending time with, when you see this person, and maybe you haven't seen them for a while, you meet them for coffee or tea, or you sit down with them, what happens is there's immediate friendliness that arises because you're paying attention to them, and you're interested in what they have to say. They're paying attention to you, and they're interested in what you have to say. You familiar with this experience? It's the best! We love it. We feel validated. We feel heard. We feel seen. We feel cared for. Right? So it's not, if you look, think about it that way, you could give me probably thousands of examples of how you, you, you know this experience. You know this experience very well. Right? You value this experience. Right? So there's, there's, there's interest, there's attention. And the two things that fall away, which are interesting, when you look at the uh, clinical research or the cognitive science research on rumination, mind wandering, which generally just sort of makes us feel bad when we're done with the mind wandering episode, uh, the four big categories that we mind wander in are past and future, self and other. I'm not thinking about the past, I'm thinking about the future. I'm not thinking about me, I'm thinking about you. And that's about it. Now, when we are in the relational field of metta, time falls away. The sense of time becomes irrelevant. How many times have you been with somebody and you're like, oh my God, what time is it? You know, you, you know, the restaurant, they're cleaning, they're wiping down the tables and you're still there. 
right? You, you, time, you, you, you don't even factor it in. It's irrelevant. In self and other, you lose the sense of you being a you and them being a them. You, you lose that. Now, in a situation with, with another person where there's not metta, where maybe there's conflict and animosity and difficulty, time is very real and so is self and other. I'm definitely me and you're definitely you and this is definitely not working out. And how long, how much longer do we have to do this for? You've been in that situation too, right? Very different. Right, so we, we, we kind of get into this space, this kind of emotional space, uh, spiritual space. I don't even know what you'd call it. It's a, but you know it. You know what I'm talking about. It's nothing mystical about it, actually. And so on, on some level, we want to pay attention to people in our lives where we can find that that's the case and cultivate those kinds of relationships. But the harder and the more important question is how do we cultivate that towards ourselves? How do I pay attention to myself with interest? It doesn't, now all of a sudden it sounds really hard. Right. And so I think it really begins by this recognition of this desire that I have, that I really have this desire to be free. And that in that desire to be free, there's a willingness to, to be with the fear and to be with the pain. And one thing to watch out for, there's also this really interesting concept um, in Buddhist practice, which I was really happy, I don't know if you're a fan of her, but I'm really a big fan of Brene Brown, and she highlights this factor in her recent book, Atlas of the Heart, uh, this near enemy business. So a near enemy is something that looks like something, but really undermines it at the same time. The most obvious one is, is, is compassion. The near enemy of compassion is pity. So, uh, pity and compassion can look really similar in the mind state, but the pity really actually, not only is it not compassion, but it actually undermines and deteriorates the quality of that. And the, and the near enemy for metta is usually not translated so well. It's usually translated as self-centeredness or self-centered craving. But I really think what it is is self-medication. Right. And uh, this is a great self-medication device. You might be familiar with one of these. Food, distraction. And so I made the joke about the cereal, which wasn't really much of a joke. It was actually a true story. <laughs> uh, that's, that, that I find that as much as I value and practice metta, and it's really been the forefront of my practice for the last decade or so, I really find myself a lot of times in this near enemy zone where like, I'm, I'm feeling some pain. And um, through kind of the distorted lens of ignorance and fear, I can do something that says, oh, I'm going to comfort myself. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to... It's not really meta, though. It's self-medication. You know? I think it's really... It's the beginning of where like, things like addiction begin. Right? And so again, it's not that we want to beat ourselves up or be bad or wrong for that, but there's, this is where I think the metta becomes a little bit more courageous, where it's like, you know what? I don't need to do that right now. The pain that I'm af afraid of is probably not even as real as I think it is. But we make all these habits around these things. And really the ultimate form of self-medication in our current situation is really distraction. So easy. This, the, the world is like a 
Las Vegas buffet of distractibility. Right? It's just everywhere. But it doesn't really feel good. It doesn't really help. Kind of works sometimes a little bit, not really. But a lot of times we find that we've habituated in so many ways around it that it's, it's a lot of work to try to undermine that. So it's that I, I lose that desire. I don't have the desire to be free. I just have the desire to make whatever this is go away. Very different things. Right? So it's, a, it's a very challenging aspect of our practice. And all of the Brahma Viharas are this way. There's a, um, there's a very much a relational side of these that we need to kind of begin to explore. And you can use this as we do a practice this evening. One thing to add is you can also use metta as an anchor, just as we anchor into sound or the breath of the body. I've been using it for a while and I find it to be very helpful. I can a lot of times anchor my experience in this desire to be free or this kindness from the missus. Kind of, it's, it's, okay it's okay that you're having a hard time. Because when I'm having a hard time, which I am much of the time, my general, my mind doesn't generally kick up this idea that it's okay to have a hard time. I actually have a strong belief, I don't know where it came from, it's ancient, that having a hard time is actually not okay. It's not okay to have a hard time. I should be, pull myself up by my bootstraps, or I should fix it, or I should solve it, or something. There's even a bit of vulnerability in that. There's a kind of... And who wants to struggle <laughs> anyway, right? Like nobody would sign up for that. But we do. Uh, and we, we, we find that we don't usually give ourselves lots of permission to do that. It's okay, you're having a hard time. It's probably appropriate much of the time that we're having a hard time. And usually we don't want to pay attention to it. And we are certainly not interested in it, but usually we're very interested in how to make it different. Right? And then we kind of organize all our psychological function around how do I destroy, get rid of, fix, change, control, avoid this thing. I don't even know what this thing is yet, but I know it's got to go. I don't want it to be like this. So there's a a way you can think about it as uh, my teacher talks about it, Steve Smith, which I think is a great way, is that metta is a cool warmth. Right? I love this idea of cool warmth. It's not cold. It's not indifferent. It's not like I don't care. It's not apathy, which it can slide into sometimes. It's not cold. It's not a distance. It's not a trying to dismiss ourselves from the emotional responsibility of the situation. It's, it's cool, meaning that it's non-reactive. It's able to, to be in the space. And it's also warm. It, there's caring. And so it's really hard, actually, to be in a difficult experience and care, but not be attached to a particular outcome or a particular scenario. It's easy for me to sit here and say, well, cool warmth is about caring and not being attached. And then I find myself in a situation where that's needed, and I'm like, where's the caring and the non-attachment? You left it at Viacitos. <laughs> it's hard. 
And so, but, but, but in that, then we can be in that space. We find that we're able to respond. We're able to be in that uh, experience. And then that becomes a very, very useful tool, right? Because if I can be in my, if I can be in own my own difficulty, my own experience, I can be in that with others. And then I can kind of learn. I'm like, well, this is like really useful a lot of the time. This is definitely worth cultivating. It's not about liking things that we don't like. It's not about liking people we don't like. And this is really helpful in our culture right now. I cannot like you at all and still be very kind and friendly to you. That's the unconditional side of it. How hard is it to get along with the people who agree with you? You should not really give yourself a pat on the back (laughs) that you can be friendly to those people in your life who mostly see things the way that you do. That's not really... You know, that's not advanced. It's very basic. But when we have conflict and we have disagreement, especially when we don't agree on social, political, spiritual, religious, these kinds of ideas, uh, we usually withdraw quickly that sense of kindness or friendliness. And I'll be with people who don't practice once in a while, and they're like, they're like, oh my God, that guy was such an asshole. You were so nice to him. Why were you so nice to that guy? I'm like, because he was an asshole. <laughs> he probably, nobody's probably been nice to that guy in like 40 years. That's why he's so unhappy. <laughs> it's hard. It's also very, it feels kind of, I know this for me when I started to really kind of give this a go, it can kind of feel a little dishonest and almost disingenuine and inauthentic. But I think we need to overcome that. We need to overcome that. And so it really, it just helps and works almost all the time. People have a, when you're being friendly to somebody there, their ability to meet you with some kind of animosity or conflict is really like, they usually can't muster it up. It's very disarming. Meta is like very disarming. We've been on the other side of that. If you've ever been grumpy or in a bad mood or kind of reactive about something and you encounter somebody that you know or even don't know it's just really friendly and open and kind and you just kind of calm down. It's very, it's probably the most self-regulating thing, this quality of metta. <clears throat> and I, I, I think for me at this point, it's really the thing that I most find to be most helpful. It always seems to help. It always seems to work. And it's also in the early discourses, the further back you go in the discourses, the more the Buddha doesn't distinguish between these two, where he says right mindfulness is metta, metta is right mindfulness. That they're really mindful. Mindfulness has metta in it. So they're not necessarily separate practice. So in many ways it is a mindfulness practice. That's what makes it beautiful. There is, a rec- there is a cognitive aspect of mindfulness of recognizing and remembering and kind of seeing things a little bit more clearly. There's a witnessing, being able to observe experience with a little bit more space. That's certainly important and part of it. But if it doesn't have that kindness and friendliness, it's not really complete. 
or have that empathetic tone of being part of that, being able to understand where you're coming from, trying to take the other person's perspective, which is something that we do not see. In fact, we see a lot of the opposite of that right now. And, the, and so it really, it can be polarizing if it's not developed. So we'll do some practice of metta here now. Um, and you can, like I said, as we introduce practices, you can bring them into your, and just try them out and just try to see, try to bring this into the quality of awareness. And seeing if you can even use it, you might find that you can use it as an anchor or as something that you can bear in mind that will help you be more present. It's the ease side of mindfulness. Mindfulness is about being present and also being at ease. Because we can be very present and um, not so much at ease. We can also be at ease and not be very present. So there's these two qualities, conditions. It's part of the fullness side of mindfulness. So just letting yourself adjust. We'll start now with the belt. And so just to begin, you can just actually say the word internally, just letting it drop from the mind down into the body. Kindness. 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 This quality, this state of attending with care. settling into the body, into the breath. And as you feel through the body, to see if you can recognize or register any sense of a desire or a wish to be free, to be at ease, to be content with your experience as best you can.
whatever you're experiencing here now, just seeing if you can let it be okay. It's just okay for now. Good enough. And this quality of mind of non-attachment is really just allowing things to be as they are. Allowing the body to be just like this. May I be at ease with the body just as I find it. Be at ease with the mind, thoughts, memories, just as the mind is right now. And to be at ease with your emotion, feeling, if there's any fear, sadness, anger, joy. And then bringing care and attention to any part of the experience that's difficult, challenging, painful, unpleasant, uncomfortable. And we can practice by just welcoming each and every moment with kindness, with friendliness, with allowing it to reveal itself, the experience to be as it is.
And you can even incline the mind, if you like, by using phrases to remind ourselves to just come back to this basic wish as we continue to forget that what we desire most is freedom, ease, contentment. May I be at ease. May I be content in this moment just as it is. And may I learn to meet myself with kindness and friendliness. May I be at ease. May I be content in this moment just as it is. May I learn to meet myself with kindness, friendliness, acceptance. And meeting each sound, each sensation, each thought, whatever is arriving in the moment to welcome it with kindness and friendliness. Yes, even you. Fear, pain, worry, concern. 
letting it in. And that as we sit here, there's nothing to change or fix, to avoid, to control. And with metta, with kindness, we can fully embrace the humanity of our experience and all that entails.
But as we come back to the present time when we've become distracted or wandered off and just pouring the awareness down into the body. Tuning into all of our senses. And practicing being free from, free from this idea that I or things should somehow be different. To fully arrive into your body, mind. with an attitude of right now it's like this. This is what it's like right now. May I be at ease. May I be kind to my mind, my feelings. May I be friendly with myself. This ongoing practice of as best we are able, just allowing things to be as they are. and letting that be good enough.
And for the last two minutes of the practice, see if you can just meet yourself in every moment with kindness. <clears throat> just for a bit more. <clears throat> 